I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, understand. you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who's who we have tonight? Uh, I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. We all know the risks of being on social media. But have you ever thought about the biggest risk? Do you mean getting murdered? A victim inside the house had been shot. That victim was 20-year-old Pop Smoke. I'm Jillian Lee Garner. And I'm Courtney Bell. We're the host of I Met My Murderer Online, the only true crime podcast to tell the tragic tales of how the internet can lead the unsuspecting into devastating dates with death. The search warrant resulted in the findings of a fresh dig area. You will hear from all who were involved in the case. The investigators. The droplets of blood. Victims' family members. That was our baby. My baby's gone. And even the murderer themselves. I held it for three or four minutes until I knew she was dead. If you're a fan of true crime, then you'll want to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer online. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is fascinating to me how some of the predators I've caught can in some ways be so ordinary in terms of the way they look, the way they conduct themselves in public, and at the same time have the disturbing ability to groom, to fulfill their fantasy of having sex with a child, and to carry out that mission using a great deal of effort. One prime example is a predator I caught named Jeremy Keister. He was 29 when he surfaced in our sting investigation on the Jersey Shore in Manilokan, New Jersey. Keister was a luxury car salesman at an Infinity dealership. And so you can imagine that if you had run into him browsing for cars, you would have no idea that he may have also been ogling your teenage daughter. And he made that very clear in terms of his interest in teen girls. When he started chatting online 
with a perverted justice decoy posing as 13-year-old Katie. Katie Cat 1993. Now, if you'll recall, our sting at the Jersey Shore took place in a big, beautiful, old family vacation home right on the beach. It was gorgeous. Sadly, it's no longer there. Superstorm Sandy took care of that. And we rented the home from that family. And the gentleman who took care of the leasing arrangements had a daughter named Casey Morrow. Still has a daughter named Casey Morrow. And as you know, Casey was our decoy. Imagine that. Your dad calls one day and says, Hey, I've leased the family home to to catch a predator and Chris Hansen to do a sting. And oh, by the way, they asked me if I knew anyone who was of age but looked younger who had a theater background. And I said, you might be the right fit. Well, let me tell you something, and you've seen this, and especially when you look at that first investigation in which Casey participated as the onside decoy, it's amazing how she played that role. She was so good, so confident, so creative, and it took our predator investigations to a different level. And we see this in the current investigations for takedown on my streaming crime network, True Blue, because we have deputized decoys who pose in different roles during the stings. And it allows us to see in real time what these predators are thinking about, what they want to do, the extent to which they'll go to fulfill this fantasy of having sex with a child, the rape of a child, essentially. And we saw that when Casey Morrow came face to face with Jeremy Keister. Jeremy Keister was in a chat room using the screen name Jeremy Keister. Very clever, Jeremy. And you can tell that he's very nervous about this being a setup of some sort. And Jeremy asks, Are you a cop? What? says Katie Cat1993. Just asking. I ain't no cop, she says. Or working with one, he says. OMG, that dumb LOL. Sorry. No, I have to ask because there are cops on here that will set up guys that will go hang out with girls your age. Hmm, I wonder why they do that, Jeremy. It is illegal by the law. All right. Well, he knows what he's getting into here. Well, I ain't no cop, says the decoy. Okay. He still shows up. He, he gets pretty deep into this. Jeremy Keister. And his screen name, by the way, made it pretty easy to check his background before he showed up. There is no doubt, based upon his complete transcripts here, as to what his intent was. Right away, he says that he's 29. She says... She's 13, female, New Jersey. Okay, young, he says. Nah, you don't think so? Nah, you're not legal yet, he says. Guess not. Sucks, he says. Well, it's okay. So what are you up to? Nothing much. What you do for fun? Anything, he says. Boy, you sure ain't no fun to talk to, LOL. Sorry. What is on your mind, he asks. Nothing. Okay, so this goes back and forth. Chit-chat, small talk. And then he starts. You have a boyfriend? 
What is a 29-year-old doing online asking a 13-year-old girl if she has a boyfriend? Not right now. How come? We broke up a month ago. Okay. How long was it? We dated for two months. Okay. You do anything? You do anything? No, this is the point, Jeremy, where you avoid being on television, where you avoid criminal prosecution by saying, you're way too young, I can't chat with you. You're 29. You have a job. You have the ability to go meet adult people. Yeah, we went to games and movies and lots of stuff. Anything personal? We kissed and stuff. What stuff, he says. What stuff? God. Touch in and stuff like that. You got a girlfriend, she asks? No, why not? Just don't. Bummer. You got pigs, she asks. On profile. You're cute, she says. Thanks. Too bad you're not older, he says. Well, I'm not a baby. It's not that. Did you say you were? But you can't drive yet. Not legal for being with a guy. So? Have you been with a guy? Yep. Sexually, he asks? Yep. Okay, recently, I guess. Month ago? I did it with my boyfriend and we broke up a month ago. Okay. He was your first? Yeah, first and only. How old was he? 16. You like it? Yeah. Did it hurt? He wants to know. Yeah, it hurt a lot. The whole time? He asks. No, just at first. Okay. You bleed? Jeremy. Yeah. You use a condom? Heck yeah. Okay. Did you have an orgasm? No. Okay. How come? So what is he going to be this sex therapist now? He's asking a 13-year-old girl all these personal sexual questions. You have your period? Yep. Okay. You have boobs? Uh, Jeremy Keister is about to get his keister kicked. What size? 38. Then he wants to know her mother's breast size. I haven't seen my mom since I was five. Well, they'll probably get bigger, he says. Hope so. They will. You live with dad? Yeah. Where are you in Jersey? Down the shore. You ever meet a guy on here? No, I ain't. You ain't? Nope. Would you? Maybe. Okay. Would depend on the guy. Do you want to do it again? Again? You mean sex? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever masturbated? He wants to know. Not into that, she says. How come? Not my thing. I think it's gross. It isn't, he declares. It is to me, she says. Why do you think so? I don't like touching myself. You have tried it? Yeah. I liked it when my old boyfriend did it. What did he do? So now he's going to drag her into this very specific conversation about what the boyfriend did to the 13-year-old girl. We messed around. You had sex, though. Yep. What did he do to you besides that? I told you specifically, though. I ain't telling every detail. Tell me a little, he begs. Did he touch your clit? Ugh. She's 13, Jeremy. Did he lick it? You should have had an orgasm. Not sure if I did or not, she says. You would know. I have no issues giving women one when I do that. So now he's talking about having oral sex with a 13-year-old girl. Cool, you must know what you're doing, she says. Guess so, cool. Could show you. Would have to see you, I guess. Really? And there's some more talk about her dad being out of town, her being alone. If her dad trusts her alone, duh, I'm 13, she says. 
Well, most girls 13 would not be left alone, especially that you can throw parties or have boys over. My dad does it all the time. Does what? Leaves me alone. Okay. I'm not a baby. Okay. When are you coming home? He asks. Sunday. What are you doing tomorrow? Probably nothing. What would you do if I came over? What do you want to do? Anything. I thought you was going to show me stuff, she says. I could if you wanted me to. Now, this is the part where he's going to shift responsibility for this illicit meeting to this 13-year-old girl. It's transference. It's a way to mitigate the evil that he wants to commit here. They switch phone numbers. A meeting is set up. Do you have condoms? He asks. No, I don't. Do you? Yes, of course, says Jeremy. So you will bring them. Sorry, my old boyfriend was the one that had them before. Only if you think I should, he says. Probably. Okay, how many? How many? Is your real name Jeremy? Yes. How big was your boyfriend, he wants to know. Um, well, I guess he was like, you know, medium. How long? Like maybe six inches. Okay. I am not that big, he says. Well, that's okay. Not thick either. Well, that's okay. Just saying. There's talk about directions, how he's going to get there from his home in New Jersey to her place. An hour and 45 minutes, it appears on MapQuest. Boy should be after you all the time, he says. Well, I probably not date you, he says. That's cool. But I mean, I don't want everyone at school to know stuff, she says. They will not know about me unless you tell them. I ain't telling nothing. The girls will be jealous, I know, if you tell them, though. Yeah, but they will call me a skank or something, and I don't want them to know. Okay, you're not a skank, he assures her. Because you had sex already. I know you're still tight, he says. Well, we only did it like three times, but it was cool. What position you do? Well, him on top two times and me on top one time. What do you like best? He's getting himself worked up for the actual visit, which is coming very soon. What is your fave, she asks. Doggies is a fave. I wondered about that one, LOL. You will like it. It sounds really cool. I wish it was tomorrow already, she says. I am not here to corrupt you, so you know. Then what are you doing, Jeremy? Corrupt? And if you ever see anything, he says, I will be in such trouble. I ain't going to say nothing, because... I would get in big trouble too. Okay. All right. They've got a deal. So you want to have sex. He confirms this one more time. Yeah. You? Only if you do. Yeah. I do not force that, he says. She's 13, Jeremy. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. You don't seem like you would. Is wrong enough for me to have sex with a 13-year-old? Wrong enough. You will suck my cock, he says. Yeah. Do you swallow? I do. Okay, just don't grab my head, she says. I don't. Don't worry. Cool. I hate that. If you can take it all, that is cool. I will try. Almost did it with my old boyfriend. Okay. So I'm a half inch shorter, so maybe you can... Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Don't want to be too forward, he says. Too forward? You've already told someone you think is a 13-year-old girl that you want to have sex with her. 
that you want her to give you oral sex, that you will give her oral sex. And then she wants to know why he picked her out of all the other people chatting. You are cute, he says. You are cute. And then Jeremy makes the fateful, felonious decision to drive an hour and 45 minutes to our sting house on the Jersey Shore. And here he comes. We have a camera set up for surveillance outside the house so we can see Jeremy pull up. Casey goes outside on the porch to wave him in. He pulled up, his lights turned off, so I figured he was getting out. Hey, Jeremy! And then his lights turned back on, so I wasn't sure if he was gonna leave or not. And then he came around the corner. Jeremy sets his car alarm, you hear the beep, and then he starts to walk towards our house. Casey asks how his travel was. How was your drive? Sorry. Oh, that's good. That's pretty far you came, huh? Yeah, it was. And right away, Jeremy seems a little anxious, right? He sees Casey, and she totally fits the bill. She's got her hat on. And he's dressed like he just came from work from the auto dealership, quite honestly. But he's hinky. He was nervous that something was going on. Because when he walked in the house, he walked in and froze. He stood there. He wouldn't go any further. Casey comes back behind the bar that we had set up, a small bar. I made you some brownies. You want some? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Why not? No. I don't think I should be here. Why? But no one's home with me. Now, I'm in the next room, and I sense that Jeremy is on the verge of walking out. And I'm going to find out in just a few moments here why. So I come out behind Casey. There was no signal from her or anything else. It was just a sense that I better approach him now if I want to have a conversation with him. It's not an exact science, as you can imagine. And a couple times I've jumped the gun and had the guy run. A couple times I've waited against my intuition and watched something that was insightful and fascinating in terms of a conversation between a predator and the onside decoy. He sees me. And I'm pretty sure he recognized me right away. He doesn't say it, but I'm pretty sure he did. And he complies when I ask him to come over to take a seat on the stool in front of the bar. What's hey, that? Jeremy, can you come over here for a minute? I'd like to talk to you, please. Do me a favor, take your hands out of your pockets for a minute. Sure. Come on over and have a seat. Been a long ride, huh? Yes, it was. Please sit down. His hands were in his pockets. I asked him to take them out, as I always do, just for security reasons. He's wearing khakis and a blue button-down shirt. Again, looking like he just walked out of the dealership. What was your plan tonight? Nothing, just to hang out. Hang out with who? Uh, just a nice girl. A nice girl. He says he came over to hang out with a nice girl. He's scrambling. If he had a script prepared for me, he's gone off script now. And how old is that nice girl? She's uh, 13. I start to read him some of what he wrote online. Too bad you're not older. Not legal for being with a guy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell me. I know who you are. So you know who I am. Yes. And then he stops me. He says I don't have to tell him anymore because he knows who I am. Who am I? You should be Chris Hansen. I am. 
You should be Chris Hansen. <laughs> well, Jeremy, you got that one right. So you've seen the show before. I have seen your show. That's right. He's seen the show and still came over anyway. So even after seeing the show, you still chose to come over here? I did. I mean, I... And what were you expecting here tonight? No, really just chat and... Did you think at all that maybe you're walking into a to catch a predator investigation? I was very hesitant on things, yes. Hesitant, maybe, but he drove an hour and 45 minutes after a sexually explicit chat with someone he thought was a 13-year-old girl. What do you suppose would have happened if the girl was there? Game. And I wasn't there with my crew and the local authorities. He was chatting online with a girl posing as a 13-year-old. You asked her if she had sex with her old boyfriend. Did it hurt? Mm-hmm. Did you bleed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your bra size? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. You know what he's thinking. Please just let this be done. Get this over with. Do what you're going to do with me. And as I'm trying to get as many details as I can from Jeremy Keister, something happens that's only been captured on camera one other time that I can remember. And that is an entirely different predator wheels up to meet a girl, a second guy, 43-year-old Michael Murray, is going to walk in in the middle of my interview with Jeremy Keister. And since we've done this before and we found nothing in Murray's background to indicate that he'd be carrying a weapon, we let him walk in. If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. Now, I've still got Jeremy sitting at the bar. Casey goes over to the door and steps outside to wave Michael Murray into the home. Red Nissan Frontier pickup truck heading north to our location. Now, Michael has sent naked pictures of himself to another perverted justice decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl. He asks the decoy if she wants to have sex with him, but insists it will be her decision. Michael, she's 13. She can't make that decision. Fred gives the okay, come let him in. Hey! He had his McDonald's bag. He was all excited. Came walking in. So Michael comes hot-footing it up the sidewalk into the side entrance of our home. He's got his bag of McDonald's. Wearing his fancy jacket, leather sleeves, wool body. He comes in. Hey, why don't you come in over here? We're having a little conversation. Please join us. And I invite him to sit down as well. Now, I'm thinking maybe this will go down like it did in Flagler Beach, Florida. When slaves to mistress and tennis boy 213 sat down next to each other. One of them was hip to what was happening. The other was not. It was quite a moment. I thought maybe we'd get another moment just like it. What did I do wrong? Just come here. We'll chat for a minute. Come on in. I'm leaving. I'd like to talk to you. About what? About a couple things. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't know what was going on. I'm sorry. I didn't know what was going on. With that, Michael and his bag of Mickey D's heads out the door he came in. Why don't you explain that to me? He gets about four steps and 
he's stopped by police. Get down! Get down! Get down on the ground! Get down on the ground! He complies. Get up! Get up! Now, Murray's crying like a baby. Wah, wah, wah. Woe is me. I was going to rape a 13-year-old, but I got caught. <laughs> Shh. I got to get the truck back. I got to get the truck back, he says. Please tell him to try and keep it down. Other predators are on their way. Plus, we don't want to disturb the neighbors. Now, imagine what's going through Jeremy Keister's mind, having seen all this. I put a pause on his interview while Michael Murray walks in. I confront him, but I I don't physically leave my position. I stay behind the bar. Michael leaves, as you heard. He's now whining, crying in the side of the house. (laughs) So Jeremy's got to be thinking, ooh, that's my fate. And guess what happens next? He even says so. I know it's in store for me outside that door. Correct. Well, that's not up to me. And you can hear the police, literally, still arresting Murray as Jeremy accepts his fate. And he also knows what's going to happen next because he's seen the show. Well, I've seen the show. You, you know, obviously, who I am. I do. Chris Hansen, mm-hmm. Dateline NBC. I do. And then after all that, he reaches over the bar, extends his hand to me. I shake his hand, and he says, it's nice to meet you. A celebrity moment, I suppose. And then giggles. Hee <laughs> hee. And off he goes. It's nice to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> he gets up and heads out the door. Keister is arrested. Now... Keister apparently was going to just go back to work after his arrest. He was facing charges associated with the sting operation. And then according to an online forum that we followed, he decided not to go back to work at the car dealership because word had gotten out about his arrest. And some of the fellows who worked at the dealership had threatened to essentially beat his ass for what he did. So he, according to this Reddit forum, never went back to work. Now, in New Jersey, he only got sentenced to a day in jail. A day or two, I believe. And he didn't have to register in New Jersey as a sex offender, but then he moved to Maryland. And in Maryland, because of his offense... He did have to register as a lifetime sex offender. So he's registered in Maryland. And he's used some different names. Instead of Jeremy Keister, he's using the name Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Caster. Unclear as to where he works. I do have a couple numbers for him, and I've called them. If he gets back to me, I'll let you know. More of our story in a moment. As you know, I like to hear from you. This week's question comes to us from Jefferson in New York City. Hi, Chris. I'm Jefferson from New York City. My question was in regards to follow-up or retaliation from predators, especially those who are of a little bit higher standing in their communities. I know, for example, David Tay 
was very adamant about following up with you in an attempt to either cover up the story or to spin things in his favor. And I want to know how often this happens and what kind of means predators take in order to try and make the situation a little bit better for themselves, especially those that have somewhat of a reputation to protect, you know, which sort of means they pursue and how often does this sort of thing happen? Thanks very much. That's an excellent question, Jefferson, and you bring up the case of Rabbi David Kay. After that sting operation, we reached out to David Kay, my producer Lynn Keller did, and he was nasty. He berated her. How dare you do this to me? I'll only talk to you if you agree not to use the video from inside the sting house or use my name. Well, David, that's not in the cards. It's not an option. So we go back and forth and we're getting ready to air the episode with David Kay. And he reaches back to us and agrees to an interview. So we set up in a hotel room in Washington, D.C. And I'm there, the crew's set up, and I tell the crew, look, the minute he walks in, I want you guys rolling because I don't know what's going to happen. We've made it very clear to him that we are, in fact, going to use the video. We are going to use his name and his image, his face. And he agrees to do this interview. So Ron Knight my security man, and I are waiting in the lobby of this hotel. And he comes storming in, David Kay, and he's clutching this briefcase, a canvas briefcase. And he sits down, and he orders me to sit down, and he says in a very authoritarian voice, this is the way the interview is going to go down. You will not use my face, you will not use the video, and I will talk to you. And I said, Rabbi, We've been through this many times. You know the conditions for the interview. We are going to use the video from the Stinghouse. We are going to use your face and we're going to identify you. Now, please come down to the interview suite and we'll conduct the interview. And he stands up and storms out. And that's the last I've heard from David Kay. Now, he's been in trouble on and off throughout the years, as you probably know, violating probation, back to prison, on and on. I can tell you that there seems to be a correlation, Jefferson, between the economic status of the predators I've caught and how they fight these cases. Maurice Wolin was a doctor in Petaluma, California, who showed up for a teenage girl. You may remember his screen name was Tall Dreamy Doc. He knocked over the drink. Turns out he was chatting with another perverted justice decoy as well. He was arrested. And he spent, had to be hundreds of thousands of dollars on one of the best defense attorneys in the Bay Area and fought and fought and fought, but the charges stayed in place. And he examined, I believe I was told, a lawsuit against NBC. Never happened. These cases are solid. And so, ultimately, Maurice Wolin could not get out of trouble. He sadly, years later, took his own life. I feel horribly for his wife and children who didn't deserve any of this collateral damage. Now, we tend to see even the wealthiest of predators I've caught do their best to get a plea bargain, probation, and they fight to stay off the sex offender registry. The cases are strong, as I said, and the proof is in the transcripts. But it's an excellent question, Jefferson, and thanks for your support and 
Much more to come. You can always find me on social media, Twitter at Chris Hansen, official Chris Hansen on Instagram, all over Facebook, TikTok, have a seat with Chris Hansen, Cameo, and on True Blue, my streaming crime network where we have all new predator investigations. We call them Takedown with Chris Hansen now. Many other documentaries and very important projects in the works. T-R-U-B-L-U, watch TrueBlue.com for details. And as always, you can reach me right here at Chris at PredatorPodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.